I've totally seen ghosts, but I have never seen a UFO. Same. Yeah. <laughs> in a little bit, we'll get into if we believe in the in the UFOs. Yeah. Totally. We'll get to that in a second. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right? I hope so. I hope. Let's see how much we have in common. <laughs> goodness hi fam hi girl hey girl it's good to see your face good to see your face you guys unsolved mysteries episode five the ufo one peak unsolved mysteries i'm so excited see this is we've discussed this but i don't know if it was alive or on the air so forgive me if i'm repeating myself but the this is the kind of unsolved mysteries i remember from my childhood oh, yeah. the supernatural yes, yeah. like i don't remember the murdery missing person kind of thing i remember the ufos the ghosts the unexplained that was my favorite unsolved mysteries when the the thing would cut because it would always introduce what kind of segment it was and it yes. came up and would say like the unexplained oh my god that's that's my memory of it before we get into it girl really quickly give me give me like a do you believe in UFOs or no? Oh, I I, abs- I am not naive enough to think that we're the only people existing, the only beings existing in this galaxy, yeah. this universe. Yeah. I tr- I absolutely think there must there must be life out there for sure. There's a butt coming. I can tell there's a butt coming. What, dude, my butt is <laughs> wonderful. I'll just ask my husband. Listen, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to agree. Your butt is wonderful. It's all right. Yeah. You know, it's not... <laughs> It's not the worst. It's not the worst, I'll tell you. And it's rare to hear me say anything nice about myself. So it's kind of like I've heard, I've gotten a lot of compliments, uh, wanted or not, about it. So, hey. Oh, yes. I'm not into like the conspiracy theories of like what, like there's all this hidden information from us and Uh there's all this secret shit. Like, I don't know about that, but I, if there, I I wouldn't be shocked if it's like, oh, here's like actually like proven data about UFOs. Well, what do you think? I think that there is no other way that we can explain how Asia McLean got to this planet. Oh, hey <laughs> Asia, I love you. Asia, I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. What do you really think? Now, I'm not going to let you dodge the question. I totally believe in UFOs. I totally yeah. believe in UFOs. You know, I have a lot of mixed feelings about this episode because the first time I watched it, I was kind of drunk. And so I came out of it being like, that was bullshit. But when I rewatched it today, I was like, oh, shit. Okay, maybe. Well, maybe. Well, I, can you imagine if we were so selfish and self-absorbed that we were like we're the only living beings in this entire in like all of the galaxies combined but you guys before we go into the ad please don't tweet Asia and tell her that I made that joke I love Asia I think she's done really good things for we love Asia we that love was just Asia. a bit to like half dodge the question that we agree on is back. Look, I am obsessed with Gabby. If you have homeowner's insurance or car insurance, you need to know about Gabby, you guys. Yeah, Gabby helps with this adulting I've heard about, right? Gabby takes the pain out of shopping for insurance by giving you an apples-to-apples comparison of your current coverage with 40 of the top insurance providers like Progressive, Nationwide, and Travelers. How do you like them apples? I've been sitting on that joke. (laughs) I love those apples. Compared to the other apples, even better. I know. So look, we're not grown-ups, you guys, right? So I had to make both of my sisters do this. I did this on separate holidays. You just sit down with Gabby, you link your current insurance, it pulls up all of the competitors, and you just see if you're paying the lowest amount or if there's an option to pay lower. Both of my sisters found lower and literally switched on the spot. Yeah, and it's not like, here's the average of the other thing. No, it's the exact same coverage that you currently have (laughs) side by side. It's true. And they don't sell your information. A lot of times you do 
do these things to see if you can find something cheaper. And then all of a sudden you're getting robocalls 85 hours a day. Not with Gabby, you guys. Come on. They know you're busy. And you are. You guys, it's totally free to check your rate and there's no obligation. So take a few minutes right now. Stop overpaying on your car and home insurance. Go to Gabby.com slash obsessed. That's G-A-B-I dot com slash obsessed. Gabby.com slash obsessed. I'm obsessed. You're obsessed. We're all obsessed. We're all obsessed. Just go. One more thing, you guys, before we get to the show, I wanted to tell you that I am the guest on the great Bob Ruff's podcast, Truth and Justice, this week. Bob and I are taking a deep dive on the Menendez case. We're talking about it with all of my feelings and the nuances and sort of re-going over the case again. Bob is incredible. I've been obsessed with him for years, so go check it out. It's the Truth and Justice podcast. You can find it wherever you listen. Um, and now, girl, Unsolved Mysteries episode five. You guys, Berkshire's UFO. So the Berkshire's, a couple things. The Berkshire's um, are in Massachusetts. I grew up in Massachusetts. The Berkshire's are like, it's like the artsy, hippie, dippy, yeah. like western Kinda part cool. of the state. And it's where my family, Steve and Daisy and I went for the first six weeks of quarantine. Yes. Well, that's where we had like a super boring ghost story. Get thee to the after party if you want to hear me talk about my boring ghost story. Did you hit that T so you didn't say ghost story? Because I heard... I heard I heard you say ghost, ghost story. story. I think you really hit that T, girl. Great. <laughs> I'm not going to get lazy with my consonants over here just because we're in quarantine. There's no excuse. <laughs> so we get this on-screen text. It says, on the evening of September 1st, 1969, an unexplained phenomenon occurred in Berkshire County, Massachusetts. You know me. I love spooky season, yeah. but wow, September 1st is really, really very early for spooky season. My mother would call that rushing the season. <laughs> <laughs> My mom would say, it, just, it doesn't go. Yeah. It does, that's a callback to a couple episodes ago. I don't know what it was, but... Oh, Heidi Fleiss. It just doesn't go. Oh, yes. It's just, it doesn't go. Oh, my God. Heidi's seen 15 UFOs. <laughs> in, the, in the desert in Nevada. Nevada, excuse me. You're right. She's, she's seen 20 of them. She sees them every day. And you're an idiot if you haven't seen one of them. So we see just an old lady with a cane limping down the street. I mean, is this not peak unsolved? It is. This woman is a piece of work just before we get into it. Just I get, get it. She is a piece. The things that come out of this woman's mouth are unbelievable. So she's like, you know, this is the house I lived in. And, and she tells us the story. She's like, my sons were wrestling and they looked up and they just saw it. And she's telling a story about what happened to her sons. And her yeah. sons run in. They tell the grandmother. The grandmother didn't believe it and said, don't tell your mother. And the mother is this old woman that we're speaking to. Yeah, now. yeah, yeah. And then she turns like almost behind her shoulder. And she's like, so when you people called and said you were going to do this. So that when you people called and said you were going to do this, I called my son and I said, guess what? Years ago, I saw this. He said, mother, we saw that too. And I said, but you didn't tell me. He said, but you didn't tell us. So all these years... We never spoke of it. They have this like, this like, you didn't tell me off. Yeah, right. Because <laughs> she's like, you didn't tell me. And they're like, well, you didn't tell us. And then they bicker about how nobody told anybody. And then it's like the unsolved opening credits right away. And I'm like, what? It feels like I like I did just see a UFO. I'm like, I, it's unexplained. I don't understand it. What just happened? There's a lot of chaos. I love it so much. But it opens in Great Barrington, Massachusetts. And we're at like a 4th of July parade. And I just wrote down, GP, did you see the puppy in the stroller? I said that Jane Green, who we meet is at a parade I just have surrounded by dogs yeah. she's surrounded by them 
<laughs> so she's the woman who we met in the beginning who like didn't tell her kids that she saw the UFO and they didn't tell her that they saw the UFO. And she tells us that she and her family have lived in Great Barrington since she was 12. And her family was a super prominent family in town because they owned a drugstore. <laughs> we were prominent family because of our store. We had the uh, oldest Rexall pharmacy in the uh, Northeast. And I've never heard of <laughs> this either. store. I live in the Northeast. Yeah. <laughs> and again, like, I also live in the New York City bubble, but I've never heard of Rexel. Nope. I'm from Massachusetts. I've never heard of it either. Yes, you would know. Yes, absolutely. So I'm kind of like, oh, okay. But Jane, more, more than that, Jane goes on. Yeah. And she says, <laughs> in this small town, if someone switches their diet from a donut to a roast beef sandwich, everyone in town knows about it. And my question is, will one of those people tell them to eat more greens? <laughs> A don from a donut right. to a roast beef sandwich. I see, Jane. I see your point, but my job is to rip it apart. Yeah, just- <laughs> yeah. No, I. I just wrote, "Oh God, please let her be our narrator the whole time." <laughs> she's like, she's the through line. I think just because we meet her first. So then we meet. You want to talk about pieces of work? We meet this guy Tom Warner. Yeah, and we're. <laughs> Yeah. There are also so many Toms in this episode. One is there are. Tom, this Tom. The other one is Tom from Queens, who's so T-H-O-M. And then a radio yes. DJ down the road, also named Tom. We're going to do our best, you guys. We're going to do it. So he has been living in the house that he's currently living in for six generations. They bought the house in like 1835. And he's the one who says to us, A lot of things were happening back in 1969. America is really changing rapidly. He's like, in 1969 was crazy. A lot of things were happening. And I actually concur. I, a while ago, was thinking about writing a book about the year 1969 because so much stuff really, like, culturally did happen that year. That's the summer that the Stonewall Riots happened. So uh-huh. the Stonewall Riots were June 28th, 1969. This story takes place on September 1st. It was right after. But I looked it up today because I wanted to see, like, what cultural events really did happen. Like, all of them. I have in I my notes. I was like, Tom is telling us this like we've never watched a goddamn documentary in our lives. Tom, we're not new here. We are professionals. This is our career, okay? 1969, like, I was like, girl, I love you. Write all the books. I will support it. Yeah, I will tweet yeah. about it. I will Instagram it. But, like, join the club of people who've written books about the cultural shift that happened in 1969. I direct your attention to the Manson family. Yes. Number one, civil rights. Civil rights. We've got the moon landing, Stonewall, the Manson murders, Woodstock. Uh, we pull out of Vietnam that year. And also Wikipedia wants us to know that was the year the Who's Tommy was released. <laughs> I love the musical version of Tommy. I I don't so much care for the album by The Who. But culturally, Wikipedia felt that was on par with Stonewall and the moon landing. (laughs) Yeah, well, look. So Tom Warner was 10 in 1969. Yeah, yeah. Then we meet Tom with an H, Tom from Queens. He's from Hollis, Queens. Hey, girl, so is Run DMC. You're in good company. <laughs> he says they moved from Queens for a more Norman Rockwell feel. And I said, GP, are we in any danger of that happening to you? <laughs> nope. I'm good, girl. I'm good. But Tom with an H's mom is here, and her name is Nancy. I had recently acquired a little restaurant called the Village Green in the middle of Sheffield, which was kind of a place where a lot of people gathered and met. I was a single mother, and I was trying very hard to give the boys an idyllic kind of a life. 
I love her. I gotta tell you that, like, a lot of this story that we're gonna hear sort of sounds like bullshit. But, like, I don't think any of these people are lying. I have a theory. We'll get to it towards the end. But yes. I, I think that, for, at the very least, Mom Nancy fully believes what she's saying. Yeah. We have a lot in common. We should make a podcast together. We should make two. We should make three. Um... <laughs> But I like Nancy, and Tom tells us that he never really felt like he belonged. I never felt like I belonged here. I always felt that there was, uh, I was meant for something else. In 1969, it would have been just under 10. I wrote, Jesus fucking Christ, kids are the worst. Can you just be grateful that your mom was trying to give you a happy life, Tom? Absolutely not. He doesn't get it. He's nine. I know. <laughs> Almost ten. He has no idea. He doesn't get it. She's like working triple shifts. She, he has no idea. He's nine. Yeah. I can say as a parent of a six-year-old, that is absolutely true. Then we meet Melanie. <laughs> what? <laughs> I love Melanie. Melanie uh, has lived in this area since 1957. She was 12 in 1969. As kids, we would spend a lot of time on the main street. We were pretty wild. My sister and I had a friend that would steal cigarettes from her mom. So we wanted to go share a cigarette together that weekend. We did not want to get in a car with our parents and get ice cream. It was the last thing we wanted to do. I don't know if she means it or not, yeah. but she basically quotes that thing you do because she's like, as kids, again, 12, she's like, we were pretty wild. And I just hear shades from that thing you do like, we were pretty wild back in Erie Penn. How wild are you at 12 in 1969? And the answer is probably pretty wild. But I feel like Melanie doesn't know like how old 12 is right. because she's like, she's like, you know, I was all about stealing cigarettes yeah. from my friend's mom and I didn't want to get a stupid ice cream with my nightmare parents. <laughs> who are taking all of us out for ice cream on a beautiful summer's night. Those assholes. Uh, it's the last thing I want to do was go to the Dairy Queen. Kids are the least grateful pieces of shit. Every last one of them. <laughs> Melanie's revisionist history thinks that 12 is like 22. Right. right? She's adding 10 years to 12. Totally. <laughs> So we're at the night, you guys. It's September 1st, 1969. We're back to Jane. Jane, the old lady from the beginning. She calls herself an old lady. It's not, I'm not, it's not disparaging. Right, no. She says it was just after dark. She was coming back from a town called Stockbridge. The the Berkshires are like all these cute little towns. You'll hear all these different names. So she's driving back from Stock, Stockbridge to Great Barrington. And the only person in the car with her was her friend, Mary Grace, who has since passed away. Right. So they're driving home and Jane tells us that like all of a sudden they saw like just a bunch of lights. We were driving down and I saw a lot of lights and, my, and I said, there must have been an accident. There must be a lot of police cars up there. Look at all the lights. As I got closer, I couldn't even drive anymore because the lights were so bright. So I pulled over to the side and I noticed the car in front of us pulled off to the side too. And then she says, and this is something we heard from the Atlanta child murder stock. <laughs> She yes. goes, she goes, if I get Alzheimer's, I'll never forget this. Like this thing that's about to happen is, is like seared in her brain forever. So they get out of the car and and Jane describes to us now like she saw this huge object just floating in the sky. She's like, it was so big you couldn't see either end of it. I can't tell you whether it was bronze or whether it was silver, whether it was gold. It was immense. And it was tall, but the the bottom part, I, I, I didn't see windows, I didn't see any, and I, most of all, there was no noise. 
There was no motor. There was nothing. It just was there. She tells us everything she doesn't see. Yeah, like, right. But she sees a lot of light. <laughs> she knows it's this gigantic thing. And she says it went up, like the, the whatever it was, went up and then like went to the right and then went up again and then went over the mountain. And that's Jane's story. Remember, there was another car that she said had pulled off to the side of the road, too. Did you right. want to confab? Did you want to go knock, knock, knock on the window and be like, bitch, did we just see what, what I think we saw? Back in the old Project Runway days, Heidi Klum used to say, all right, we're going to do a little chat. You didn't want to do a little chat with that car? Have a quick little chat? Just see what happens? Can you Come imagine on. if that were today? Get out of here. No, because it would be on Instagram. It would be trending in yes, five seconds. Exactly. Exactly. The world sucks. I, I can't know, believe I, I just know. said that. <laughs> You guys, we want to tell you about a new podcast we love. It's called Dirt Cheap. It's from Neon Hum Media. It digs deep into the dollar bins of used bookstores and your grandmother's storage unit in search of pulp, sass, and questionable grammar. Again, they're talking about this podcast, not me. Absolutely right. (laughs) Guided by hosts Amanda Meadows and Jeffrey Golden, each season will explore a forgotten and discarded pulp novel culled from the dustbin of literary history, reenacting its pages through narration and sound design, stopping and starting to respond and bring its oddity and hilarity occasionally into relief. Again, not talking about Patrick Hines. In this upcoming season one, they read the book Murder in the Glassroom, an L.A. noir novel that almost became a blockbuster film. Fun. Set in Los Angeles in the 1940s, it's funny, surprising, and very dated tale about a murder starring a petulant bookie named Phil who's obsessed with following that murder and also is really into interior design. My kind of guy. I'm interested. You guys, subscribe and follow the story to solve the mystery of season one on Dirt Cheap right now. To listen to the show, just search for Dirt Cheap and Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. They got it all. They got it everywhere. Everywhere you look. Everywhere you look. <laughs> Can we talk about Six Generations Tom and what he was doing that night? Let's, as a 10-year-old. <laughs> it was Labor Day. It was hot. It was a real hot day. I remember exactly where I was. I was doing artwork, coloring, my medium back then was Crayola. He says, my medium back then was Crayola. And I have, same Tom, I was obsessed with Crayola when I was a kid. It was my medium of choice as well, Tom. And I don't know if Tom's trying to be a little shitty about that, but Crayola was a very, very important to me for a very long time as an only child. We are going to see Tom's actual artwork at some point in this documentary. So just, you know, Tom, maybe take yourself slightly less seriously as an artist. That's all I'm saying. It just in general, I think. Just a nice little... Like, I just feel like Tom is one of those people who doesn't laugh. He just goes, that's funny. <laughs> that, like, so perfectly sums him up. Yes, absolutely. That it's just like, yep. huh, funny. Tom, I know. <laughs> take a cue from my girlfriend, Patrick, and just let it just out. The- <laughs> just let it out, Tom. You know that, that that sound, everyone, that you're hearing, that that's yeah. somewhere in Tom. It's somewhere deep in there. Let it out, Tom. Tom. Let it out. So Tom, oh, we as many Toms as we have, we have another Jane. I know. <laughs> so her, she's Jane Shaw, and and so she was Tom's neighbor. I've seen Tommy since the day he was, you know, brought home from the hospital. He always colored with my sister, who was four years older than Tommy. Jane's a little hammered. Am I wrong? Like Jane's acting a, a little bit. erratically in this. A Bitch. I think she's also remembering a night that was very hard on everybody. <laughs> because she's telling us about her sister, Debbie, who's four years older than 10-year-old Tom. And Jane is quoting Debbie, pounding the table. Tommy! Tommy! 
Stay in the lines. Stay in the lines. Tommy. Tommy. Stay in the lines. Stay in the lines. I said stay in the lines. And that's what she would do with him. And she's like hitting the table. So she's telling us a story about her, how her sister Debbie would berate a 10-year-old for staying inside the lines. I know. And then she kind of leans in and the eyes widen and she's like, that's exactly what she'd do. Is that what she'd do? And so we're back to Tom and Tom is telling us he's like at their house coloring and literally a like a voice in his head commanded him to go home. And this voice told me, you need to go home now. That just scared the daylights out of me. I mean, it was like commanding me to go home. And I said to Debbie, I said, Debbie, I have to go home. And she goes, why? I said, I don't know. Maybe God's talking to me from those clouds. I don't know. And so uh, I started bolting out the door. There's like like a Tommy-shaped hole in the door. He just bolts. He's like, everyone was terrified because he's explaining as a 10-year-old, the voice of God is telling me I have to leave right now. Boom, and he's out. And and they're all like, and and Debbie's mad at him because he colored outside the lines and Jane is watching this all freaked out. It's a mess. The whole thing, the kitchen, I feel like there are better houses to color in in the neighborhood. I totally agree. And you guys, this is not as weird as it gets. He like goes out onto the front lawn and he says he's running as fast as he can and he starts to feel like he's flying. And then he looks down and realizes he's running at top speed but not moving. This is corroborated by Jane, you guys. And he was like running right here in place. Just constantly for about five minutes he was running in place. And he's just running in place. And she's like, Tommy ran in place on my front lawn for like five minutes. It was terrifying. (laughs) Also, the moves that you're doing, the like fake running moves is what Tom today, because they have Tom like at the scene of the abduction or whatever. He's like, and he's walking slowly, but I'm like, why is he doing this weird like slow motion run with his arms? And it's because we learned that he was doing exactly that in place. Tom, Tom remembers every single millisecond second of this experience because he he's like so i'm running in place for five minutes on jane's lawn and he stops and he's like and i turn and i notice a rock just a couple degrees that way (laughs) and then he looks at the rock and then he like looks at the sky and he sees the ufo in the sky and he says like a beam came on to me and a ufo dropped right out of the sky right in front of me and a beam came on me and as the light was on me my hands jerked back like this And it's like air got sucked out of me. And it is truly like every kind of that very like like famous image of someone like with their arms sort of behind them. Yeah, the lights in the sky, like that movie Lights in the Sky where you're like being like sucked up into the UFO via a beam of light. Exactly. That's what Tom is describing. And again, doing the move, which I don't I'm not shaming him for. I would do it, too. I'm doing it now. It's not. But it's like just if you're not watching this this episode, we got to give you the visuals here. But once again, corroborated by Jane. Jane is like, he was there one second and then he was gone. And Tommy, and it's so funny to hear Tommy tell the story. 10-year-old Tommy, I remember nothing from when I was 10, by the way. <laughs> I guess because I was never abducted. I was just coloring with my Crayolas and Queens. But Tommy just goes, and in a flash, I was gone. And, I'm like, and in a blink, in a flash, I was gone. How interesting to be so aware that that happened to you. 
I can't like I wish I had a story where I'm like girl I as true as I'm standing here in a flash I was gone like I know and that's why like a lot of the storytelling is suspect anyway we cut to Lake Mansfield which is two miles away we're back with Melanie annoyed that she's not smoking a cigarette stolen from the best friend's mother I call her too cool for school Melanie totally <laughs> she's such a Melanie she's... I say that with love she's like a total Melanie she's Mel maybe or Melanie. is she just straight like don't call me it's it's not Mel it's Melanie totally. and I would call her what she wants to be called <laughs> but she says that like as they're like in the truck with their dad it's like her and her siblings or whatever they like get their ice cream they go down to the lake to eat the ice cream they're like in the parking lot and all of a sudden they see this like brilliant bright aura they describe it as and the dad looks up sees a UFO and he's like he literally goes oh shit we gotta chase this thing he goes holy shit and the mom's like Joey language (laughs) and I'm like meanwhile your daughter's 12 going on 35 your daughter's said it all and seen it all don't worry about Mel she's fine she's she is the she's the leader of the pack that Melanie back then and today and so the kids are scared shitless and all of us kids are like what what is that and start screaming he's like oh we gotta chase this and I'm like no 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 please don't please don't and my mother's like oh it's just a shooting star it's just and I'm like it's not just a shooting star dad please don't chase it please don't chase it and he starts chasing it And of course, it's such a fucking dad move to be like, I don't care that everyone in the car but me is terrified. We're chasing this thing. And and the mom is being such a like stereotypical mom. (laughs) It's just a shooting star, everyone. It's fine. (laughs) As the dad. And I'm just picturing chaos because they're at the Dairy Queen. And now I'm thinking I'm waiting for Guffman. I'll always have a place at the Dairy Queen. And then the dad's like, let's chase it. Melanie's like, God, I have like so many things to do. The mom, Joey language. It's just a shooting star. It's a mess. There's a dog barking somewhere totally. because they're here he said someone's yard they're hearing the chaos it's a mess so they chase the thing yeah mel's sister doesn't remember anything right and she's also not here to tell the story which i think is interesting but melanie says like all of a sudden nobody in my family remembers what happens after this all i know is i woke up on a ufo but i remember levitating and then i remember being on a sh- on a ship Melanie is telling us that she is on a UFO. And then it cuts to Tom, who, remember, was abducted five seconds ago. Tom leans over and goes, That's when I saw Melanie. It was the only face I remember. Well, that's when I saw Melanie. They're on the... (laughs) And Melanie, then it cuts back to Melanie, and she's like, I don't remember seeing him. Yeah, I have no memory of seeing Tom. (laughs) She's like, I have no idea, but apparently I look terrified, says Tom. Like... Melody's over it still. Totally. Like she just Melody. Just if you, if you're gonna do the whole, I was levitated and I woke up on a ship. Just embrace the whole goddamn thing. No, you gotta really sell it, Melody. You guys, if you're if you're just joining us, we are on a UFO. We are on a UFO with Tom and Melody. <laughs> We're doing. This. Live read on a radio I, station. I know. Hey, if you're just joining us, this is True Crime Obsessed. We're discussing how Melanie, too cool for school Melanie, has has woken up on a UFO. Tom saw her. She didn't see Tom. 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 I was in a room with just young people. They were like children. And then they would just disappear one by one by one by one. And she remembers the kids just like poof, poof, disappearing one by one, which is it's straight out of the Twilight Zone. It's terrifying. So then she's like, and then I woke up and I was at the lake by myself and then I had to walk home 
And then suddenly, there I am at the lake by myself and walked home yeah, alone. Right. <laughs> which is, to me is almost scarier than being on the UFO. I don't... <laughs> No, I totally agree. I totally agree. I totally, totally, totally agree. You're just 12 years old. I know, I know Melanie's like cooler than I'll, I ever was or ever will be and older. Like she was an old soul even at 12. Uh-huh. But at 12, just like, here I am. I was with my parents. Suddenly I'm alone. Just like, well, I guess I'll just walk home. Melanie's like, I've done this before, aliens. Don't worry. You don't know who you're dealing with. I'm 12 year old, too cool for school, Melanie. I'm fucking Melanie. Deal with it. So then, so then Tom, of course, like has to have like a denouement to his story as well. He's being laid down by the beam of light. The next thing I know, I'm being laid down at the other end of the property over here. And uh, you can describe it as if you laid down a baby onto the ground, just like that. Tom's a ham. Here's the thing. I'm not a mother, but never, ever <laughs> place a baby down the way Tom not only describes, but shows us. Because he's like, it's almost as if you'd place a baby. And then he quite literally throws himself. On, you could hear him like clunk in the grass. Just like that. Please don't ever place a baby down like that ever. And he's laying there and he see, he's like, I look up and I see a beam on him. His brother, who's a, I'm like, oh, you're, he has a brother now. Cool. His brother. Also not interviewed. Where's the brother to corroborate? Although I guess we got neighbor Jane to corroborate. So how many witnesses do we really need? Tommy's brother is with Mel's sister. <laughs> totally. So his brother's like, dude, you have to run. And Tommy's like, I can't. This beam of light's holding me down. I said, I can't. The beam's holding me on the ground. And then mental telepathy said, I'll be done in a minute. The mental telepathy said, I'll be done in a minute. (laughs) To which I said, you couldn't have finished what you had to do on the ship. You know what I mean? And done doing what? I don't know. (laughs) What are you doing? What will you be done with? As a human who's now gotten two consecutive shots in the eye, that's all I know from like UFO horror movies. God. If I can survive it, Tom can survive it. Look, that I, you deserve 15,000 medals, whatever you want. The champagne, <laughs> the rope. What do you want? What do you want, girl? You got it. Shots in the eye. Jesus. But anyway, so somewhere Tom is like, try being abducted, Patrick. Just get abduct- abducted for once in your life. God damn it. But then we're back with crazy neighbor Jane. She says when Tom showed up back in like the beam of light, he'd only been gone for seven minutes. Who timed that is my question. How, like, know, when when you are with, this is a real question, because I don't know who how old Jane is. Like, her sister was four years older than Tom, so her sister was only 14. Jane uh-huh. is, let's guess, between 10 and 15 at the time this is happening. Yeah, yeah, for sure. In what universe when your neighbor friend is getting abducted, do you take out the stopwatch? <laughs> Or pay attention to the time. I only, when I hear a suspicious noise out, outside, only now after doing a true crime podcast for all these years or just being yeah. like a New Yorker, like just looking, oh, it was it's 3.01. I heard a noise. So when they question I me, I can say I heard the screaming start at 3.01. Uh-huh. Jane in 1969, freewheeling the Berkshires, 1969. Jane's timing the abduction. 
I'm confused by this. I know. But then we come back to Melanie, and Melanie is saying she didn't know Tom. She has no memory of seeing him on the ship, but she believes he was there with her. Well, because according to Melanie, they ran in different crowds. Melanie thinks 12 is 22. I know. You don't run in different crowds. You're a kid is a kid. Right? I will say that Melanie, whatever the crowd, the equivalent of like the cool kids crowd at 12, Melanie was definitely in that, and Tom definitely was not. She was the leader of it. Totally. <laughs> no question. But, yeah. but of course now, like suddenly they like cross paths somehow. When I met Tom for the first time, I felt an immediate connection to him. It was weird. It was very weird. Because I'd lived here my whole life and I'd never really met him. And now I feel like he's a brother to me. What she's saying is we were connected because we were both abducted by this UFO. I mean, I got to say, if I were to run into the other person in the world that was on the UFO at the same time as me, I feel like there'd be a pretty strong bond there as well. I agree. Totally. <laughs> I don't, yeah, I don't fault her that. Because that's the one person in the world you can look to and say, hey girl, remember the time that we were both on that UFO together? Even though I totally don't remember seeing you there, but you remember seeing me there. She's still too cool for everybody on the UFO. That is, I know. That is a level of cool that I can only watch in awe. I want to know that when they were both in like the same Berkshires bar, Tom saw her from across the room and went, oh my God, it's the hot girl from the UFO. Right. And she's like, oh God, is he still coming over? She has her hand on her forehead. Is she still coming? Is he still coming over? Okay. Can you just watch me? Hold on. I'm going to look at my purse. I'm going to pretend to look at my purse. <laughs> Melanie's at a bar at 12 years old, by the way. This is... This is <laughs> We're buying it. We're buying into it. Melody is at a bar at 12 and running the joint. She's buying shots for people. Yeah, laughing at you if you have to do the lime after the tequila shot. All right. What are you, amateur? Who are you, what are you, new here? I'm fucking Melanie. There, there's, a, there's a shot called the Mel. I know, like, no one can really do it because it's so, it's like, it's like 151 or something. Oh, hey, is Mel here tonight? Oh, Mel. She's 12. I knew we were going to have fun. I just didn't know we were going to have this much fun. She always has that shimmery purple lipstick from 1969 to yesterday. She's the only one that I've ever seen pull it off. Girl! Best Fiends is back. Look, Steve and I have moved into a slightly larger apartment, so he hasn't busted me on my phone playing you at all hours of the night in a little while. We're in hiding now. We are obsessed with Best Fiends. I'm going to admit it. I'm going to be honest with our listeners. We are obsessed with this game. You guys, if you don't know Best Fiends, it's the infamously impossible to put down puzzle game that's free to download. With over 100 million downloads, this five-star rated mobile puzzle game is a must-play. I got to tell you, I always say, like, it's hard but not too hard. It's fun, but definitely too fun. They change it up all the time. They add new levels and characters. I mean, we've been screaming about it for years, girl. What else do we need to say? And also, you can play with your friends. You can challenge each other. People are doing it in the face. Facebook group. They're just like finding more people to play Best Fiends with. It's a fun way to decompress and to hang out with your friends. You guys download Best Fiends free today on the Apple App Store or Google Play. And that's friends without the R. Best Fiends. You guys, we've said this 7,000 times. You should know this by now. I'm not saying it again. Okay, I'm not saying it again. I already said it. I'm not saying it again. (laughs) So we're back with Tom from Queens. Right. 
You guys, on September 1st, 1969, he was riding in a horse show, to which I said, of course you were, girl. <laughs> well, yeah, whatever that is. And so right. he, Do they have those in Queens, girl? They don't. They, okay. they don't. And, uh, and so Tom, with an H from Queens, yep. basically like gets thrown off the horse, and his mom, Nancy, <laughs> is kind of chuckling about yeah, it I know, to I know. us. I know. I know. But she, they all decide he's had a hard day. They're they're going to go to the restaurant that the mom owns for dinner. And so we got to the diner, and uh, it was running late. It was almost 9 o'clock, and it was almost bedtime. And so they decided to take the bridge, the shortcut home through the Sheffield Bridge. I don't know if you noticed this or not. Tom is sitting inside the bridge for his interview. Yes. Did oh. you notice this? I was like, is this a Zoom background? It's right out of Beetlejuice. In that area, those covered bridges are everywhere. Are like they? They're not uncommon. They're so fucking quaint. They're quaint as fuck, those bridges. What is the reason for them? I feel like this is when my, my Apple Watch is like, girl, you're sitting and you're freaking out. <laughs> I know. <laughs> They feel very scary to me. No, they're, oh, I think they're so New England. Like, it's, I mean, I grew up in New England. They don't have anything cute like this where I grew up. But, like, that's what the Berkshires is. It's, like, the sweet New England covered bridges, the rivers, the UFOs. I don't, yeah, I don't mean to say it's not cute. New England (laughs) is, like, peak spooky. I point your attention to Salem, which I love. But that that seems very like ugh. I guess my association between like this and Beetlejuice, it just feels oh, yeah, like yeah, 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 when there's totally. a covered bridge, like <laughs> spookiness is afoot. But I I think it's crazy that he's sitting in the bridge for his interview. I'm like, what if a car had to come through there? Oh, they blocked it off. Yeah, totally. <laughs> <laughs> but Tom is telling us that like they were taking the shortcut home, they're going through this covered bridge, and the mom and the grandmother are in the front seat. This becomes important. The mother is driving. The grandmother never drives. Right. And the grandmother turns around to say something to the kids. And, like, as she turns around, she sees this, like, insane bright light, like, out behind the car. Right. And then Nancy, the mom, they come out the other side of the covered bridge. And Nancy's like. And as we exited the bridge, I can remember this like yesterday, um, there was a, a, a light ball hovering, maybe about two stories high. We were amazed. I mean, we'd never seen anything like it. It was glowing. And then as it rose, it fired these rods of light. No, I gotta say, of all the people in this documentary, I believe Nancy. Yeah, I agree. She's the one that's like, seems to be the most credible to Mm -hmm. me. And, the, you know, they're describing this, like, orange orb, and it felt like they were underwater, like the pressure changed. Right. And so Tom is telling us there's, like, this disc-shaped object hovering there. And so yeah. re- remember how Jane was like, you couldn't see where it began and where it ended. Yeah. Tom has a different, Tom with an H from Queens has a different version yeah. of this. Because he's like, oh, the craft itself was about 100 yards long in <laughs> diameter. And I'm like, the craft, like spacecraft, like the UFO craft. <laughs> like craft, like, like apostrophe C craft. The craft itself... I would say that it had to be at least, at least 100 yards long. It looked something like if you ever took a turtle shell and turned it sideways and looked at it, it was like that, and then it was, it was a little shorter under here, but in the middle there was a, a different ridge to it. So this is where I'm kind of like, so the stories are similar, but they also differ in little details like this. 
Yeah, and like this is the thing too. Where now Tom is saying I can only account for 15 minutes of that time, but it happened over a three-hour period. So missing time is also peak unsolved mysteries. Yes, that shit always found its way into like the UFO episodes, like the missing time. Right. But Tom is saying the thing about our experience was that like we were gone for three hours. We can only remember 15 minutes, but I think that we were supposed to be made to believe that like oh that was weird, like nothing happened when we came back from wherever we went everything was just as it was but the one mistake was my grandmother was in the driver's seat and my mother was in the passenger seat and my my grandmother never drove dun 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 when we were placed back in the vehicle I, I believe it was meant for us not to ever think that this happened you know that we just all passed out we all fell asleep because everything was supposed to be exactly the way it was three hours earlier but the mistake was my mother and grandmother were reversed and the ignition was off. My grandmother never drove. Tom, here's the thing, girl. I don't think that the aliens are going to make a mistake like that. I don't think that, like, aliens who have evaded capture for <laughs> millennia, <laughs> yeah. they're going to figure out how to not be detected by, like, by the by the global community, but they're going to get your grandmother in the wrong seat after your abduction. Like, they're laughing at us, especially now in 2020. They're, they're maybe, hopefully, a little concerned. Maybe they will save us. Who knows? Like, right. a, a, girl can, a girl can dream. Fingers crossed. Who the hell knows? Totally. But I, I truly don't think that they're like, oh, fuck, you put the grandmother in the drive. Don't you know she never drives? Like, I, I do love the idea of bickering aliens. Totally. Like, that is very funny to me. <laughs> Like, I can't believe you. I don't know if they beep boop or what their language right. is or whatever, but right. they're just like, you know what? We could have had them, but you put right. the grandma on the driver's seat. I just don't think that that's how they get it's foiled. so crazy. Yeah, so now we're back to old lady Jane. Again, she calls herself an old lady. It's fine to say it. She tells a story about like driving back into Great Barrington. She drives to the famous drugstore that her family owns. She tells her husband. The husband tells her to go to the radio station to report it. Is that an old timey thing? I, I don't Thank you for basically giving me a compliment that I'm an old soul. I don't know the <laughs> protocol. Yeah, I really don't understand this, but she drives down to the local radio station. She doesn't even call them. She walks herself right on in. She's Jane Green. She, her family owns the oldest pharmacy in the Northeast. And I went in and Tom Jay, who is the uh, director of uh, WSBS, started to laugh and he said you and mary must be out drinking again he said i think it must have been swamp gas said this was no swamp gas time and i explained it tom says to her girl you and mary must have been out drinking again <laughs> to which i say tom we're I right here me and mary are totally. right here <laughs> totally i'm just like i first of all i want to go drinking with jane and mary that's i'm i'm sad that that's a thing that'll never happen i know and also like on the other side of it, it's like tom don't be a dick like some woman comes I in don't. telling you about something and he's like all right you drunk you're probably drunk again you drunk and i'm like men are the worst what have you been hanging out with 12 year old melanie again Jesus. yeah like she's like i know melanie like oh my god she's the leader of the pack have you heard about melanie she has new rules in place i know so Tom like tells the story on the air of like what Mary says she saw. Tom Jay, who was the radio personality for WSBS Radio, got on the air and was asking if anyone saw this. You know, where was it? Has, does anyone know where it is? From Pittsfield to Stockbridge to Lenox to, to Egremont to Sheffield to Canaan, Connecticut. The, the calls were coming in from a multitude of towns. 
by groups of people that in many cases had never met each other before. Okay, so here's the moment, you guys. Yeah. I'm going to go through this really quickly. There's an amazing episode of a podcast by Malcolm Gladwell called, um, the podcast is called Revisionist History, and the episode is called Free Brian Williams. Remember when Brian Williams lied about going down in that helicopter in Iraq? Yes, we talked about this on one of our Ladies Who Lunch Lives. Yes, and he was completely run out of town as a liar. This whole episode is all about memory. It's all about how you tell yourself a, a story that's partially true, and over the years, the story gets bigger and bigger and bigger in your head until you have written a narrative that you fully believe is what happened. Yes. I say this is the moment when if this is true and Tom goes out over the airwaves, think of it. It's the fucking middle of nowhere end of the summer everyone's bored this this DJ is saying like hey did you guys see the UFO that this lady just told me about and all of a sudden the switchboard is lighting up maybe some of them are true probably a lot of them are just people who have nothing else to do or or they saw something that isn't anything related to what these other people saw and since 1969 this story has sort of like grown and grown and grown it's like local it's like a local legend and now these people fully believe that this is what happened this right. is my theory I- And I could not agree more. We have a lot in common today. Go listen to that episode, you guys. It is so brilliant. It's free Brian Williams revisionist history. It is, it will tell you everything you need to know about the way memory works. Yeah. And it's why like eyewitness accounts are not reliable in court and why that's like the least reliable thing and why people don't love them. I totally agree with you. What happened was Tom is like, oh, Mary Jane, that duo, Mary Jane came. They're all fucked up. They came from the bar. They're on whatever. Tells the story. (laughs) And then all these people, it's like war of the worlds almost. Like on the radio and people keep hearing it and then they call in. And, you know, when you're nine and ten and you're hearing these stories and you remember, like, I remember so vividly sitting at home with my mom and we heard this thing on the radio. And then I do not think anyone here is lying. Right. I don't think they're lying. I think since 1969, this narrative has replayed in their heads over and over again so much that they believe it. Girl, Pretty Litter is back. I love Pretty Litter. Look, I'm going to cut right to the chase, right? This is kitty litter for your cat, but it's magical because it has a health indicator. So cats are like you. They're not overly emotional creatures on the outside, right? So when there's something wrong with them, you don't always know until it's too late. But with Pretty Litter, the litter actually detects if there are like problems in the urine. And then the litter changes color and you know to take the little kitty to the vet. That makes me really happy. I'm going to show my emotions right now and say that I love that. Here's another thing. As a non-cat owner, the worst thing is walking into someone's apartment and you're like, what is that stench? I, look, I got to tell you, I was a cat owner for forever. And like the traditional clay litter, it stinks. It gets everywhere. It's not the cat's fault. But Pretty Litter has solved the problem, you guys. Their super light crystals trap odor and releases moisture, which results in a dry, low-maintenance litter that doesn't smell. And I got to tell you, Ellen's been using this forever. I go to her house. You would not know she has a cat, which is an impossible thing to say about anybody who uses traditional litter. Again, as a visitor, I appreciate it. And I'm happy that your pet is healthy. That is very important to me. You guys, the magically changing colors of the crystal, so you know if your cat isn't feeling well. I don't know why everybody who has a cat hasn't paused this right now and gotten gotten pretty litter. You mean paused this? Paused? Oh. Come on. GP came to play today. Woo! You guys get the world's smartest litter without leaving your home. Visit prettylitter.com and use promo code TCO for 20% off one month's supply. Right, that's prettylitter.com with promo code TCO for 20% off one month's supply. PrettyLitter.com promo code TCO. Go. (laughs) I mean, that's all we have to say. Am I wrong? 
So now here we go. We're back at the radio station today with this guy, Jess Stewart, who's like (laughs) the manager. I love this guy because what he's saying is like, wouldn't it be great if we could go back and listen to the tape of that night and hear what this guy actually said? Unfortunately, girl, that's not possible. Back then, the technology was much different than today. You record a newscast, and when you're done with that newscast, you don't really think about saving it. The next day or two days after, that news story is gone and erased with the current news story. They just didn't save the news tapes from back then. They would just, like, save them for a day or two and then record over them like it's a hotel lobby video of somebody getting murdered. Yeah, what what can we solve a murder from these tapes? You know what? Let's incinerate them. Just to be safe, let's completely, completely destroy them. Exactly. Also, it's not lost on me that it's WSBS radio. (laughs) Bunch of bullshit. I don't think it is. I'm just saying, like, you know. So, number one, the tape of, of whatever happened in that radio station that night does not exist. Then we go to the Great Barrington Police Department where we meet Chief William Walsh, and he's telling us about the daily public records that are kept in, in the Berkshires. That These daily public records are like a log of like everything, every police call that happened that day. They have the records from that day in 1969, and he's talking specifically about the four to midnight shift, which is when all of this would have happened, and he says like very little activity from that day. There was like one page, there was like one complaint of a guy finding beer cans on his lawn. Yeah, well I, I looked up, I tried to find this actual report, like in the archives. Oh, did you? I couldn't find it, but I did love, like, this guy James Salisbury reported that Bernadine Rogers left <laughs> Ella Price's home on Park Street. She was riding a, and then I have question marks, she was wearing a yellow suit, and she returned home. She had been to Stockbridge. And I'm like, okay, so nothing happens. When I went looking for this, I thought maybe there'd be, you know, things on there. And I uh, was very surprised that there isn't. You know, I think the jury's out. As we say in my business, that the jury's out, at least in my mind it is, in terms of exactly what it was and what happened. I think the jury's out, as we say in my business. <laughs> so, and the thing is, like, nothing happens in this area. And if a UFO would have been sighted, it would have been in the books. So maybe not. We'll get there in a minute. We'll get there in a minute. Because right now we're in the this definitely didn't happen phase. Uh-huh. So we meet Gary Lavelle. He's the Berkshire County historian. And, you know, he loves this area. He knows the story. He wants answers about the abductions. He goes to, like, search the public records and, like, look through all of, like, the newspapers from the time. And he's, like, going to, like, the area where you're seeing the hard copies of the newspapers yes. from 1969. And he says he's starting with September 2nd because that's the day after the incident. That's when you would think the stories would be would would be happening. And he says he doesn't find a single reference in any of the newspapers to any of the sightings. And- But he says that maybe, maybe that was because no one believed the story or gave it any weight at all to even report about it. And then I'm like, oh. I've thought a lot about how come this didn't get reported. And I suspect that people just thought that it was a joke or a scam. I also talked to the former editor of a weekly paper in Gray Barrington, and he kind of laughed. He says, oh, yeah, I, I remember that, but I thought it was a bunch of hooey, so I didn't put anything in the paper. So here we go. So now we're going from like, oh, the police have no records of this. It definitely didn't happen to, wait a minute, this is a small, tight-knit community in the fucking 60s. So, you know, what we're learning now is maybe people didn't report it to the police because they knew they wouldn't be believed. And they, they were talking to people in the newspaper world, but they weren't reporting it because they thought it was fake. And remember, old lady Jane, if you switch from a donut to a roast beef, everybody knows. So people are talking. <clears throat> exactly. And maybe it's just not going to end up in the paper. And so now we're at a gas station. We're at, we're at Gulag 
Gulata's gas station. We meet Eddie Gula, Gulota, Gulata, whatever. This guy is a fucking riot. We learn that his dad was Santi Gulata, and he was the chief of police at the time. And he says people were reporting it to his dad constantly. They'd say they saw a flying object in the sky that wasn't an airplane. And it looked totally different and was lit up, and they were round and lit up in silver. And they were going slow and landing in the fields out here. My father, he thought it was a bunch of baloney. But it wasn't getting written down anywhere by his dad because his dad didn't believe it. Right. And then there, there are these stories that people were calling him and saying that they were seeing the UFOs landing like periodically yes. in fields. And so yes. Eddie, so Eddie, we meet Eddie now. He, he's, a, he's a much older guy. But at the time he was a kid. And so he and his friends would like start camping out looking for the UFOs. And he's like, I never got to see anything myself, but I kept hearing about it. So I know it totally definitely happened. <laughs> So as we're getting to the end of it, like all of the people who experienced this are saying like, of course we never talked about it. And you know, like life for these people was pretty miserable. Like we're back to Nancy, the Nancy and Tom from Queens. Yeah. And Tom is saying, one of them is telling us Tom got his ass kicked all through high school. People just thought he was a weird loser for sharing the story. He says at one point, somebody like jumped up on a table at the restaurant that the mom owns. There's one guy jumped up on a table once and exposed himself and said, well, if you want to see something out of this world, Nancy, I'll show you something out of this world. And I mean, it was got, it got that foul, you know? Here's my thing. What does it matter? Like, right. their, their belief in what they saw or what they think they experienced is not hurting me or anybody else. Exactly. Like, Nancy is still running that restaurant. It's awesome. You're still going there to eat your lunch, you idiot. So why are you, why, like, to just to do that is so shitty. And it gets so bad that she has to, like, sell the restaurant and right. they move. It was the best diner in town and this guy shows his peen and is an asshole and then they leave. Ooh, right. And it's like, but that, that's my, that's all, I always go back to that. It's so harmless. Let these people, yeah. like, they kind of need it, you know? Like they totally. they need this story, and so let let him have it. I I wasn't there. I wasn't there. I don't know. Let him have it. It's not hurting me one way or the other. I'm in goddamn quarantine for six <laughs> months. I'm losing my mind. This is not hurting me in any stretch of the imagination. Don't worry about it. No, and it kind of like ends with we were talking about this earlier. It ends with this recent article from the New York Times where all of a sudden they're declassifying all of these, and we see video and we hear audio of these pilots in the sky seeing actual UFOs. There's a whole fleet of them. Look on the ASA. My gosh. They're all going against the wind. The wind's 120 knots to the west. It's real, and it's been declassified by the military, and it's like, it is sort of a vindication for these people that, like, this shit is real, you guys. So Eddie from the gas station is being interviewed yeah. at the gas station, and he, the more we talk about him, he's getting like, and another thing, he's very worked up. He's very much me. Like, at, the yeah. longer we record, the more I'm like, oh my god, my face is getting redder. I'm just very... And he's, like, showing us, he's, like, shoving the New York Times in our faces. He was like, if the military's seeing it, like, sing-songy, he's like, it's happening. But if the military's seeing it and seeing it, it's happening. Hello. I believe it. Hello. Right. <laughs> okay. Well, I don't really trust the government at this moment in time. It's 2020, Eddie. But at the time, I under... Yes. I know. We, we, we all agree, or all on TCO right now agree that, yes, we, we'd be idiots to think that we're the only people, the only things existing in this universe. Like, that's crazy. Exactly. God, you guys, we did Unsolved Mysteries episode five. Oh my God, I it's just it's 
so, it is so Unsolved Mysteries. I just love it so much. If you want more of Jillian and me, join us on the Patreon. Over 150 full bonus episodes to download a binge right this second. Every series you wanted us to cover. We're right in the middle of the vow, so it's very Oh my God, it's bananas. Yeah, we just did Fear City, uh, I'll Be Gone in the Dark, Don't F with Cats, Tiger King, The Jinx, Making a Murderer, uh, everything on like Oxygen and HBO and, you know, the long long form stuff. Yeah, yeah. Ad-free versions of these episodes, ringtones, after parties, quarantine check-ins. It's so much Jillian and I, you think you're going to throw up, but then you don't. And then I'm shocked that you don't. It's I know. okay if you're a little, a little sick of us, but hey, we're happy to hang with you. Happy to hang. Um, And that's it, girl. I always want to say what's next, but we like it's just episode six of this. It's just, and episode six is, I have a lot of feelings about it. I know. Wait, what's it called? It's called Missing Witness. You guys, we are going to the Ozarks. We are meeting some badass women. We're yeah. meeting some not yeah. nice women. Yeah. We are. It's, um, yeah, it's, it's, oh God, it's We're so meeting good. a lot of people it's... doing a lot of things. Exactly. <laughs> it's a journey. <laughs> All right, you guys, we love you. We love you. Thanks for hanging. Bye. Bye. If we give points for enunciation, you get a hundred of them. <laughs> we do that. Do we do that on the Unsolved Mysteries? We do now. <laughs> okay, great. You don't, you don't need more Norman Rockwell in your life? I need a little less of it, I think. I don't have any of it in my life, to be honest with you. I gesticulate a lot. Yes. I just I talk with my arms a lot. It's the pensive volley in me. What can I say? And so, and I remember there was, a, there was a teacher of mine. I was in first grade, and she insisted that we, it was like I could hear the rhythm uh-huh. when we colored. She was like, I want it hard and shiny and all one way. And I was like, no. Uh- I like shading. Uh-huh. Like I sort of like working up to, I love cerulean and yeah. like cerulean dark is very different than cerulean shaded. Sure. I colored a lot, Patrick. Yeah. <laughs> um, 